0: Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and as we continue to get closer and closer to the trade deadline, a lot of talks going on, going to continue having guests to give some other team perspectives on here. We had Mark Schindler um, give a little bit of Indiana's perspective on the previous episode. Today, we have Danny Mareng, who writes for the Blazers Edge and also hosts a Blazers focused podcast for blue wire. Um, I actually don't have the name in front of me. Yet.
1: Jack Ramsey's. It's okay. Um, I, I said, I did the stuff for uh pre and post game show for NBC for, for five years. And now that's defunct. Uh, so I think a lot of the same things that Sacramento media has been dealing with, with on, the, on some NBC sides of things over there. Uh, you can kind of guess why I'm not at NBC anymore.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I think it's a little similar in Sacramento for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess to start, Danny, just give us a little bit of a rundown. I know it's a vague question, especially from your point of view of someone Mm -hmm. who's really covered the team so in depth. Um, But, you know, they've really underperformed this year, the Blazers. Um, From Sacramento's point of view, I think a lot of the fan base probably doesn't have a great grasp on exactly the reasoning behind that outside Mm -hmm. of maybe some Lillard things. Um, Sure. But... Yeah, give us a, I know, again, it's vague, but sitting at the 10th seed, 18 and 26, I think is an underperformance for what the expectations were going mm-hmm. in. So what has kind of gone wrong this year?
1: Number one, you had Mark on here before. I hope he had a terrible food takes. Uh, number two. I didn't get uh, to it. That's my God, bad. That, that, that's you, my that, fault. That, that's your fault. I mean, well, it's it not is. really your fault. Like he, If you do no, need to do is just give him one and he will give you a bad take. Uh, that's kind of, that's that's a shtick now. Um, I do find it a little bit weird, and this isn't like a, a backhanded compliment here, but Kings fans un- not understanding this function sounds a little weird. Um, <laughs> and listen, Fair Kings enough. fans, I love y'all. I, I mean, it's it's I I feel bad. I I genuinely do because it's it's a diehard fan base. Um, you just nothing goes right, and and it's just it's it's mildly frustrating. And so, uh, it's kind of funny, Portland. You know, I, I hear Kings fans. So I we'd mean, kill for eight years in the playoffs. It's like, well. You, you could have had Damian Lillard. You could have had C.G. McCollum. You you could have had these problems. Like, that's 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 a frustration, I think, uh, for the Sacramento side of things. But for Portland, this has run its course, man. Uh, and <laughs> the signal flares that were shot up over the summer were just like, oh, God, they're really going to screw this up, aren't they? Like, whether it was, you know, Dame needing surgery was not a secret. I mean, that happened at the Olympics. It happened last year. It happened the year before that. Like, he's just, he's tough to the point of stupidity. Um, and it just, it finally, he's, he's old. Like you, as, as a fellow uh, washed person um, who's about to have hip surgery before he's 40, um, stuff just doesn't work as well when you get older and they put it off and they put it off and they put it off. I still think Dame has plenty of game because he uh, got a cortisone shot. he looked like Damian Lillard for three weeks. I got the exact same cortisone shot from the exact same doctor two days apart. And I felt like a million bucks. And now I sit here today going, ah, it's still not feeling quite as good as it was that day. And from Damian Lillard's perspective, I understand why he shut it down. Um, That's, you know, the big uh, flare in the sky as far as as Dame. Obviously, Neil O'Shea getting fired, rightfully so. Um, He made a lot of mistakes. He tried to run it back. Uh, I think the flip part of this on the personnel side, outside of Damian Lillard, is everyone's just tired of it. Like, it's the same basic team running back the same stuff. They like, oh, we'll put some window dressing on it with a new coach. It's like, mm, that's not gonna fix it. Still, still the same core issues. Um, you've had the same backcourt together for basically eight years. And it's just that's I've struggled to come up with a a pair of players in modern NBA history who have been together longer with less success than Damon CJ.
0: And, you know, I think this is interesting, actually, because they get pointed to whole Fox and Halliburton pairing, kind of get pointed to Damon CJ a little bit when it comes to team building, not when it comes to comparing those players' play styles straight Mm -hmm. up or anything, but the best two players being these poor defensive guards um, who are offensive focused. And, you know, when you say um, we've seen the same thing over and over, like, what do you think wasn't tried when it comes to optimizing that duo or or where were the failures in optimizing that duo, it, especially, like I said, Sacramento's point of view, I think they're like starting to deal with a similar thing.
1: They never should have had the duo. That was the problem. 2015, obviously, they they, they have what should have been a Western Conference Finals team, maybe a dark horse NBA Finals team. West Wes Matthews' Achilles goes pop and everything goes out the window. Uh, they made a move, obviously, for Aaron Aflalo, but he got elevated and put into a wrong position. But Marcus didn't like the shine that Dame was getting. Uh CJ makes up, up a pretty pretty fun run in the playoffs uh, under the shadow of LaMarcus pretty clearly leaving. The Blazers lose LaMarcus Aldridge for nothing. They run it back the next year. They're predicted to win 27 and a half games by Vegas. They went 44. In a year that they should have tanked and gotten some things right, they decided to double down on mediocrity. That's what they did. And they sh- kept piling things around. They gave his extension, which he deserved. They gave Dame, or CJ McCollum way too much freaking money a year early, which he didn't. <laughs> and that hamstrung him. Then 2016 comes up. They hand out a $75 million contract to Alan Crabb. They hand out $40 million to Mo Harkless, $40 million to Myers Leonard, another $75 million to Evan Turner. Oops. 2017 comes. They pass on Donovan Mitchell, OG Ananobi, John Collins, uh, Bam at a bio, and they take two of their draft picks and they trade them to
0: Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah, we both have our regrets <laughs> on that draft. <laughs>
1: and everybody comes out looking stupid in that draft yep. between Portland and Sacramento. The Blazers take Zach Collins, and again, they gave up two first round draft picks to, to take Zach Collins, right? Where's Zach Collins now? Is he on the Portland Trail Blazers roster? No, he's in San Antonio in oh. a G League rehab assignment, and they got nothing for him.
0: So and you the Kings picks for Josh Jackson and Harry Giles? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: Harry Giles ended up in Portland. It, and Neil Neil Olshay likes to collect guys that he's <laughs> he's he's scouted. That was his his thing. Is that was how he operated. So you've now let Lamarcus Aldridge go for nothing. You've sunk a ton of money into free agents that you got nothing out of. That's not true. They they got Andrew Nicholson's dead money, eighteen million dollars worth of dead money uh, that they're still paying now because they stretched him uh, in 26, 2017. Um, So we're, what, 2022 now? We're five years. We're still a year removed from Andrew Nicholson being paid off. Just swell stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just, like, five-year window where, like, if you had just gone any other direction, like, where they were picking in that 2017 draft, had they gone basically with any other player that they were looking at, they would have been worlds better off. I mean, just... By miles. Uh, I mean, Sacramento obviously knows this. They they could have done the same thing.
0: Right. This all sounds familiar.
1: Yes, I mean, again, just bad, bad decisions being made, and then they just compounded it, and then they they catch they catch a little bit of a spark in 2019, and it was a fun run. But everything lined up, and then they got the crap kicked out of them by the Warriors, up 14 or more in four straight games, and they lose all of them. Like that's just, yikes. And they decided that they were going to run it back again and again and again. And that's what the Kings were the crossroads that they're at right now. If they don't truly believe that De'Aaron Fox is going to be a top 20 player, they should move off of him. And I love Fox. I I, I, I love his game. I think he's fun. He's explosive. But if they don't believe in Fox the way that they need to, they need to move off of him. Same thing with Halliburton. If, if Halliburton's not the guy, because listen, Ben Simmons, for all the warts that he has, all the stuff that we hate, no, ah, you know what he still is the Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and one of the five best passers and creators in the league. Do the, do the Blazers or the Kings have one of those guys? No, Blazers have one, but all right, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like you need two in this league, and for the Kings, they need one so they can build. So that's where, like, if you're looking at those comparisons. The Blazers and Neil O'Shea particularly failed to trade C.J. McCollum for five straight years. And it wasn't because people weren't making offers. It was because they said no. More particularly, he said no. And he was asking for the moon. And they had opportunities to go get Paul George. They had opportunities to get Jimmy Butler. They had opportunities to get James Harden. And they just, nope. And that... When we look back, as at as, as, as least me as, as a Blazers uh, media person, so to speak, over Damian Lode's career in 10 years, and I go, God, they wasted five, six years of his prime. Or they wasted his entire prime. Just doubling down on stupidity, it's going to be frustrating. I'm, I'm going to enjoy the, the fun stuff and all that, but I'm going to look back and go, ah, why, 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 why didn't you have the gall to make one move? and i think sacramento you guys it's what since 0405 or 0506 06 06? 06. okay Yeah. so for 15 years i understand that those windows are different like with portland eight straight playoff appearances the kings need a playoff appearance like they they need that like yeah. i think they, they i think you if you go 17 18 19 maybe 20 years without a playoff appearance you're snuffing out any and all joy at that point in time like that's 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 accepting way too much yeah. and i think the kings really need to chase this and and make small moves and maybe make a big, big move that causes a course correction that the Blazers didn't take.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So, um, I am with you. I I think a lot depends on their valuation of Fox and Mm Halliburton. Um, Fox I'm yeah. I mean, I, I do really like Simmons and I see the logic there. Um, it's, interesting um because yeah I, I mean I've been very vocal about countering the whole I guess what I mainly was countering and had agitated me recently was this idea of they have to trade Fox like right now this season and yeah, I'm straight my now that that that's just uh, those it was too strong worded for me I don't think that his mm-hmm. value goes down I think it's different if you're using him to capitalize on other opportunities. Like uh, potentially Simmons fits into that. It depends how you feel about Sabonis. Maybe he fits into that. Um, but I, I think that that is very different than like, we have to move Fox right now. We're shopping Fox. And I just don't think that that's quite where I'm at. Um, so, But I, I think what you said is is definitely interesting and they need to do a better job of, of capitalizing on other potential opportunities that arise here or there. Um, definitely the few assets that you do acquire alongside those two or mm-hmm. or anywhere else don't let them walk for nothing um you mentioned the Marcus Aldridge smaller example with the Kings recently Bogdan Bogdanovich walks for nothing mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean it looked like very strong possibility Rashawn Holmes was gonna walk for nothing almost seems like they got lucky with that deal that he ended up signing they got um, real lucky
1: and that's it, there was that, that was an uh honestly I, I saw that and I went well done I Kings. was shocked well done,
0: Kings. <laughs> And, and I don't – it seems pretty clear they didn't expect that with trading for Tristan Thompson, mm-hmm. signing Alex Len. Um, There's yeah. a lot of backup plans
1: that were pretty clearly shot up into the sky, like, oh, boy, please don't let this go sideways.
0: Yeah. Um, and then McDare's done kind of a whole lot of nothing when it comes to changing the trajectory of the team, you know, like uh, acquiring Maurice Harkless for Bielitsa, mm. uh Delon, <laughs> DeLon Wright for mm. – um, Corey Joseph in second round picks. Like Where have Karen I seen this Davis before? For second round picks. Yeah, it yeah. sounds all familiar, right? <laughs> so the current situation the Blazers in, if we come to current times and the deadline that they're facing now, um, it, it t- sounds like uh, Damian Lillard is going to be out for the season, right?
1: Legally stated, he will be out for five to six weeks. we will be evaluated at that point. Um, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting very heavily on him being out for the season. Okay.
0: And what is your feel on how they sort of traverse this deadline? I know putting buyer seller is probably all too far in either one category or the they're other, both. but
1: they're, okay. they're both hundred they, percent. They are buying for next year, selling this year. That is, that is the way that I have kind of phrased this. Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum, all readily available, readily available. There's, I, I have a very strong suspicion that both Covington and Yorkich are 100% gone at the deadline. I would probably call it a coin toss on CJ McCollum depending on what they want to do. Um, watched him play alongside Anthony Simons last night, and I can tell you right now, I hated it. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was not fun to watch. Uh, I'm watching the future of the franchise and Anthony Simons go off, and then I'm watching somebody else ball stop, and I'm like, ah, no, no, nope, no, nope, no, 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 get that out of here. I don't want to see that anymore. Um, and then Norman Powell. Norman Powell had uh, over a dozen suitors in the offseason. Uh, I know multiple teams pursued him pretty hard. Uh, he wasn't thrilled about coming back to Portland because the fit wasn't great. Like, I it's, I don't know. If I'm if I'm a guy who's basically in my prime, and most guys, I think, kind of fall into this category, you want to go to a good situation. Like, you're done playing games. Like, when you're, when you're like, 26 to 32 years old in the NBA, you're looking at it like, I'm done with this function. Like, I want to go to a, a, a organization that knows what the hell they're doing which is why you see good players going to good organizations over and over again. Like, it's just oh, yeah. that's that's what happens. That's why I think Norm looked at the situation in Portland and went, ah, it's a pretty good organization. The Toronto esque, they don't make really stupid decisions. They aren't in the news all the time for tabloid nonsense. Dame seems cool, you know, <laughs> but do I want to play above my position for 82 games plus whatever in the playoffs? That's a lot of wear and tear on a six foot four guy. Hey, you want to guard, you know, Apex Wings every night? So they convinced him to come back. They gave him big-time money, and they gave him an extra year with no options. Got a five-year deal. Who gets a five-year deal nowadays? No, Nobody gets that. And it's an escalating contract. So Norm's going to be 32 years old in the highest-paying year of his, career, of his career. That seems like a good deal. But you had a ton of teams who were like, Norman Powell, I would like a guy that averages 18 a game and you know basically shoots 45, 40, 85 plays hard, doesn't give any issues, really just would kind of eat, sleep, live in a gym if you let him. So if the right offer comes down the pipe for him, I could see it. Detroit, New Orleans, New York, I could see all those teams. Hell, if if uh, Sacramento made a move and all of a sudden you slide Halliburton down to a one, I could see them being really interested in a guy like Norman Powell to compliment a, a Ben Simmons Halliburton or a Ben Simmons Darren Fox backcourt. Like, th- th- so for Portland, everybody save Dame really is is on the market but uh if anthony simons is going to be included in a deal it better be a star coming in return that's kind of how they're looking at that right now
0: yeah what does it mean um selling this year but sort of buying for the future like what is, what is the future if it's next year like is it draft assets is it young players that have a few years and are already starting to contribute like in your mind what does that what does that mean
1: the the flares are kind of up right uh the blazers have been linked to jeremy grant and miles turner pretty pretty heavily um the Blazers know that Damian Lillard has a couple years left and he's this organization in a nutshell. Like he is everything both on the floor and off the floor in the community. And so they're for what it looks like committed to building around him one more time. So you want to get guys that are in that 25 to kind of 29 range, not, not too young, not maybe in prime, in prime. I mean, ultimately you do, but that's kind of the window. I think they're targeting. Cause you look at a guy like Jeremy Grant, who's what 28 miles Turner's 26, 27, uh, you want to get maybe a couple years younger. You want to get a little bit bigger. You want to get a little bit more athletic. And I think if you're if you're dealing a guy like CJ McCollum, I think part of what their their analysis is going to be is is there a team out there that is willing to make a swap or as part of a three team deal that gets them better next year, while maybe not impacting their 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 game this year, because ultimately they're soft tanking. They're not going to beat Detroit or Orlando or Houston or OKC to the bottom, but the Pacers. Uh, the Kings, yeah. I mean, listen, Anthony Simons is, is that dude. It's terrifying how much that, that switch is flipped. Uh, but the second that bench comes in right now, it is a human victory cigar for the opponent. They were uh, minus 18 overall, I think, uh, last night against the Heat in very limited minutes uh, in the second half. I mean, it was over, like, whew, gone in a nutshell, just packed up, ready to go. The players can do that for 37 more games. They can pick up, you know, Maybe eight more wins and still be in that cellar, and you've got another another guy entering the NBA draft now. And so you have got the three guys at the top, and you're throwing another point guard in there. Now you maybe some some other teams who are making decisions about that. So if the Blazers can somehow sneak into a top six lottery, and then get lucky, hit a top three, hit a top four, get real weird with it, have that pick in their back pocket going into the draft day, all of a sudden maybe a Jalen Brown shakes free, and you've got. Salary ballast in some guys and a top three pick. Again, this isn't to say that that's what's going to happen. But if you have that asset in your pocket, yeah. So they're, they're looking to stack losses. And then they're, which why trading for guys like Miles Turner makes sense. Because he might need surgery. He might need to sit out the rest of the season. So when you're looking at that, the the impact and as far as it pertains to the Kings. Robert Covington, heard his name a million times, linked to, to moves with Sacramento. Covington for Bagley makes sense kind of for both teams because I've heard other teams like Detroit and Indiana would be interested in a guy like Bagley. Why? Because they're probably resetting and they want a little bit of youth and they want to take some flyers on some guys. The Kings, they need a guy like Robert Covington who, I mean, let's be honest, just stable. You just want good, stable veteran players when you're trying to chase a playoff position. And Cove is that guy. And really, on the over the last month, he has turned it on. Like There was some dysfunction to start the season, but you, you look at what Portland is going to try and do. There's no straight line to draw. The only transactions that they're going to do are going to be ones that flip for assets that they can then flip for bigger assets. So um, if they're looking for a cub for Bagley, okay. They're not going to keep Marvin Bagley. They're going to take him and try to rotate and flip him to Indiana or, or, uh, to New Orleans in another deal that gets get, them some additional assets or to Washington that, that you know, kind of nets them one thing. It gets them another thing it gets them another thing. And that's what's kind of really interesting and really frustrating about what this Blazers off season is going to look like, or, or I shouldn't say off season trade season is going to look like, because there's so many different permutations of what they're going to try to do. It's kind of hard to go, okay, I paint the picture for me because the picture starts, you know, sounding a lot or looking a lot like I sound, which is rambling on a lot because it, it's it's not clear. And I think if you're the Kings, you're looking to Portland because, number one, it's a trade target or uh, a franchise you've traded with and kind of trust. And if you look around the NBA, this kind of thing happens quite a bit. Like teams kind of build up these relationships with other teams and you see them kind of just repeating transactions. Like Denver and Utah, even though they're in-division rivals, how many times have we seen them make transactions where – one team ended up getting screwed over pretty heavily in the back end. <laughs> like it, they've they've done it a bunch of times. Portland, and Sacramento, I think have had seven trades in the last four years between them. Five years now, I guess. Then we can go back to twenty seventeen.
0: So and Caleb uh, Swanigan was involved in every single one. Yes, of Yes, every single one. of them.
1: <laughs> but Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, the Zach Collins draft day There are so many trades there. You're just like, oh, Kidoke scal. Like yeah. how many? How many times have you know they they have they just kind of. Or free agency where, you know, Harry Giles, like it's just there's there's a lot of commonality between those two teams. So I would I would imagine that both those franchises are looking to each other when they're talking about consummating deals, even if it's not really between them, but really is third party to kind of get some things for the other team is kind of looking for.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's uh, somewhat similar to Sacramento. I I think that, you know, all the reporting has been that they're chasing a big fish like a Simmons or Sabonis is apparently one in two, mm-hmm. right? Um, they, they need to shake something up. They need to add significant talent to this roster or, or change the top end talent that they're working with. Um, and it, it seems likely that, um, a lot of what Sacramento has to offer may not be specifically like what Philly, for example, is quite interested in. Mm-hmm. And this is where a third team could get involved. Like say, like you said, something like Bagley, um, going to Portland and then Covington going to Philly as part of some Simmons deal, or um, there's so many. Yeah. I I think that it's in all likelihood a Kings deal um, from just reportings that we've heard is that it would take a third team um, at very least. Like it's, it's going to be a very complicated deadline specifically when it's these teams that are trading like top end talents and still wanting to remain relevant. Like I try to look back at previous trades and it's, it's difficult to find a, an all-star that's traded and early in their contract for more like win-now talent in return, like that's just not typically what we see. Usually, it's a team that's looking to get a little bit worse and reset. Yeah.
1: And the crazy thing is, this next free agent market is not good. No, in this off season, so you've got teams that are looking at that going. Well, we've got kind of a two-year window when we're talking about personnel because we're really not going to look to add much. Nobody has real money this off season, so. You've got organizations that I think, and for the first time, you're, you're, like you said, you don't have teams that are trading windows. Like Sacramento's not trading a window and doing a hard reset. Philly's not doing a hard reset. Like, no, like the teams that are doing hard resets are already there. And so you've got a ton of teams in the middle, which I think is kind of, you know, kind of portrayed itself uh, record wise throughout the NBA this year. Like, the Blazers are just as close to the bottom of the West as they are to the sixth seed. It's just, it's the dumbest timeline ever. It just doesn't make any sense. So you've got, and then you throw in the play in. So you have all these different factors that really, I think it, it makes things more difficult, but also more interesting. And I think we have the ability or the propensity to have more transactions this year than in any other year. Like the, how many deals are out there that we've heard discussed, whether it be rumors or legitimate that are going to be one way deals. Sacramento or excuse me, uh, San Antonio, Denver and Boston just had a deal because you're everybody's just trying to like work this little thing around the fringes. And you've got uh, Atlanta, and New York making a deal and you're like, oh, OK, well, that makes a little bit of sense. But it clearly looks like Atlanta's loading up to right. do something else, too. So, yeah, there may be like a direct line deal, but that can is going to get kicked a few weeks later down the road where it goes. That asset that we got is going to now be moved here. Remember when Nick Stauskas was traded like seven times in one offseason? There's going to be a dude like that this year who's just going to get moved. moved. Ariza was that guy a couple years ago. You're just going to get moved and moved and moved and moved and moved because of the way the paperwork is going to get filed in the league. And whoever that is, I feel sorry for them. But at the same time, uh, I think you're going to see some wild, weird, bonkers, CBA just kind of voodoo uh, around the end of the trade deadline. And I think Portland and Sacramento are going to play a huge, huge part in that.
0: Yeah, how um where are you at with Ben Simmons? Do you think that that's yeah, how do you, how do you think that fits in when it comes to Portland and
1: uh the no-holds-barred belief is Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid are morons. <laughs> just plain flat-out country dumb. I just I can't I can't think of a way where you look at this situation and you manage it worse. I just especially with the comments that came out today. I just uh, the the gall to go out in public and lie through your teeth like Daryl Morey did today was just I don't know I just I, I can't understand it I can't understand why he wouldn't want to play with Joel Embiid and I just sat there just like you can't understand why the guy who was thrown under the bus and backed over repeatedly by his head coach and his other you know alpha on his team to national media five minutes after losing a series doesn't want to be there. You know, that doesn't that that you know, ring true to anybody? Is Ben without his warts? Hell no. Hell no. He has real problems and real things that you need to kind of get over. The off-the-floor stuff as far as like giving a damn about basketball, that's a real question I have. Do I question his talent and his ability? No, because even as defunct and weird and awkward a fit as it was, he was still an absolute monster. Did that play where he refused to dunk suck? Is that a difficult hurdle to get over? Yes, absolutely. And you know what else still matters? Trey Young shot 30% with Ben Simmons on him. He put him in a lead box. He couldn't do anything when they switched. problem was they didn't keep him on him very long. And yeah. I'm not a big fan of individual defensive statistics, but I went back and I watched Ben Simmons on Trey Young and I went, Good God, Trey could do anything yeah. when Ben was on him,
0: and he did similar things to Beal in the series before. Yeah. Like the versatility is crazy.
1: You're talking about arguably no, not even arguably. He's the best point of attack defender in the NBA. Like he, you, he, Damian Lillard does not have the best handle I've ever seen, but he takes stupidly good care of the ball, and it's very hard to get it away from him. When that season, when Ben came to Portland, I was sitting down low in the media section. And I watched Damian Lillard turn his back to Ben Simmons for about 70% of the possessions because Ben was hounding him at 45 feet, hounding him, and Dame couldn't deal with it. That is not a normal thing. To be able to take Damian Lillard out of his game by yourself is a wholly different level than anybody else in the NBA possesses. That's what Ben Simmons is, is capable of doing. You throw in just the ability to. This is the stupid thing. Ben Simmons, everybody knows, isn't going to shoot outside ten feet. Everybody knows. Everybody still packs the paint, and you know what he does? He still finishes seventy-two percent of his shots at the rim. Like he, he has holes in his game, but the things that he's good at, he's so good at, he's in the top ninety-nine percentile. So if if you're if you're Sacramento, if you're Portland, and you've got an undersized guard who doesn't do great at navigating screens, do you think maybe adding the best? On-ball defensive player in the NBA is helpful. Do you think maybe adding one of the premier playmaking wings of the last 25 years is helpful? Do you think maybe adding a guy who can play four on three better than anybody, better than even Draymond Green, who has led a title team by playing that role, is a good thing to add? Yeah. Even with all the stupid warts.
0: (laughs) Sacramento's primary weaknesses right now that we hear over and over are rebounding, closing possessions, Mm -hmm. um, all forms of defense, communication, mm-hmm. uh perimeter containment, rotations, every single form of yep. defense and playmaking.
1: What is it that Ben Simmons does at, at an elite level? <laughs> like yeah. how many guys in the NBA can legitimately grab and go, and no matter what you do and how much you wall off that they can go go score? Cause for me the number's three. It's LeBron, it's Who's Giannis, LeBron's and it's friend. Ben. Yeah. That's the that's it. That's the that's the number of guys who no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. And that's, that's such a tremendous thing to be able to do. And heaven forbid, heaven forbid, somebody gets into Ben Simmons' head and fixes whatever is going on.
0: This is or, part of hey, what's interesting to me. Like Philly media is so cruel, right, is, is what mm-hmm. everybody's saying. Like he'd be absolutely praised and adored in Sacramento. I think if you get him out of any
1: glamor or high profile top five media market, it helps. Problem is, off the court, Ben wants to live that lifestyle. He wants to have his cake and eat it, too. So he's not hes not faultless in this. I definitely don't want to portray it as that. But if you're talking about Ben Simmons, I, I don't think that there's two better places for him to go than Portland and Sacramento. Like, you can be in a relatively big city, but you're going to be loved if you show up and work. Like the, I think Sacramento and Portland fan bases are very much the same in, in like the sense of if you show up and you work and you put in shifts, they'll hang your jersey in the rafters just unabashedly. You will be loved like you've never been loved. I'll tell you right now, that same play, it happens in Portland, playing for Portland. People are mad about it, but you know what people are saying over and over again? Ah, I'll get them next year, <laughs> which is oh, that's a different story. I, it drives me insane about this market, but... Yeah. Um, or we wouldn't have been here without him yeah exactly it's a, it's a totally wholly different mindset it's it's very interesting but uh ben needs to get the heck out of philadelphia there's no doubt about that and i i am still very much sold on his upside but flip side of that is as, as as if i'm portland i'm not giving up personnel i am not giving up anthony simons no. that's just that's that's a non-starter for me i am not accepting back a a you know a player that you're like eh, i don't know about all that and i don't know if that's necessarily the same for sacramento I don't know. Sacramento can put themselves in that same shoe and go, yeah, can we, can we not give up Hallie? You know? And I just like, I don't think there's a world that they live in where they can afford to not give up what's necessary to get him If it's a real thing and he will report and be a part of that team.
0: Yeah. My interest, my, my kind of take on it is just do everything you can to make it happen without including those guys. Like Obviously, I think it's a very basic take, but mm-hmm. like actually trade your first round picks. They haven't traded a first yeah. round pick since they've acquired De'Aaron Fox. So, like, it's hard to say that De'Aaron Fox can't do X, Y, and Z when he's been surrounded by he, Halliburton's probably the best teammate he's ever had in his career. And he yeah. just is getting that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I agree. They're certainly not in a situation where they can act like, oh, no, well, if we just keep going with what we're going, we're fine um obviously it's not working like something needs to change um if you can like i think sacramento draft picks are probably pretty valuable around the league given how they Uh, tend to perform
1: yeah i would tend to believe that if you were putting all just a franchise's draft picks on the tables and you were just kind of going hey whose would you value the most in any given year sacramento's would be pretty high
0: yeah unfortunately (laughs) Right, yeah, Um, but you could try to turn that in your favor somewhat by by using that to flip and acquire more Mm -hmm. assets. Like You need more top-end talent. Um, So I think do what you can to not include those guys, but I don't know that a freaking Harrison Barnes – Buddy, he, he, And then the other thing is that Sacramento is the only team, and we've seen counteracting reports, mm-hmm. I guess you could say that with everything, Sacramento sure. is the team that I feel like I've heard the most saying that, like, oh, well, actually considering taking on Tobias Harris as well. Um, and I, I think that that would change the asking price for Simmons if the idea is that Philly is looking to eventually have cap space towards a James Harden. <laughs> so all of a sudden... Swapping talking,
1: like $15 million worth of salary is...
0: Yeah.
1: like when it's all said and done, Sacramento ends up, I think, with like, what, 14-something more in the general deal that's been discussed. That is not a small thing. Because you send out five players, you take back two, maybe three, and you're getting a 15000000 dollar cap hit. That is a massive undertaking. But, at the same time, can you maybe keep one of those pieces, like you said? And I think if that's... If you want to try to... you know, thread that needle of living in both worlds. Sacramento's a lot like Portland. You're not landing free agents. Is Tobias Harris on an overpaid contract? Yeah.
0: Is that really a, a, a big deal for Sacramento? Probably He's not. Already the second best player on the team. If you that. <laughs> That's like... kind of what I
1: mean. Like, it's like, is that really like, I, I understand when you look at the numbers, it doesn't look pretty, but when it's all said and done, can you really look that gift Force in the mouth and be like, ah, I just can't do it. You know, it's a, Again, that's why I keep going to come back to Sacramento makes, makes the most sense because they can, because there's so many different contracts. You, you've got young players, you've got uh, Barnes on, on a good controlled deal. Yeah. Obviously, Heald has wanted out for a while. Um, he's that salary ballast that you need. And then you get two players on your team who, I mean, day one are your first and second best players. Like, yeah. is that optimal for you? No. Are you in a better position than you were before if you get buy in from those two guys? Absolutely.
0: And they have to try something. They're not willing to optimize draft picks based on um, trying to get a, a higher pick. Like clearly, we've heard left and right. There's a postseason mandate going on, right? So if you're gonna do, if you're gonna say that that is the case, then act like it. Be willing to acquire more talent. Um, do you think there's anything to like CJ Ben as a base, or already would have happened if that was?
1: Yeah, like I listen. I would give up CJ in three firsts. I hilariously, I tweeted out I think probably two nights before that deal and I go, you know in a, or when I say that deal, when when Ben didn't take the layup or the dunk, whatever you want to call it I think I would give up CJ in three first, like that's, that's a lot of capital particularly as it pertains to Portland, because like Sacramento you make your living and your bones through the draft and with Damian Lillard aging out, those draft picks are not going to be, you know bad <laughs> so I was like, ah, CJ and three first. And then the press conference happened. And I go, CJ and two first. And then Joel got up to the to the to the uh, stand and I go, CJ and the first. Final offer. Because it was just like, oh my God, what? Like they're tanking their value. And you don't normally see uh players' value like really tank in live time, but we did. And I, I'm to the point where I'm like, yeah, CJ and three firsts. And if that's not the case make some moves with some other guys. Like if you can get a a late lottery protected first for Covington, if you can get PJ Washington and the first from Charlotte for use of Nurkic, if you can kind of make that kind of thing happen where you can cobble together picks or other assets or young players or things that you can flip for other things. This is again, that, you know, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, meme of, of just the conspiracy lines from hell. That's how these trades are going to end up looking. Oh, when that's you, what
0: this deadline is. This no, is a psycho deadline.
1: A hundred percent. That's it. the lines that you're going to draw between all of these trades, like where a transaction starts and where it finally ends. It's going to be bonkers. It's and so if I'm Portland, if if Daryl Morey comes back and says CJ of first and Nasir Little, I'm like. Ah. I'm not real thrilled about giving up to see her either. Give me a second, Daryl. Let me make a phone call. Boop, 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 you know, get Cove dealt out for another first round pick. How about CJ and two firsts? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe CJ two firsts and a pick swap. Like I, I am, I am of the mind of, listen, I am, I am much more likely to mortgage the future on picks than I am on current players that are under team control i.e. Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, because yeah. they're both kind of getting into the years where they're going to be impactful, which is why Philly wants them. But at the same time, I look at both those guys when Damian Lillard is aging out here in two, three years and going, that's the future of the franchise. And not in a sense of like, oh, if you squint, like you've, you can watch him play for the last month and go, yeah, no, that's probably the, the guy who's going to replace Damian Lillard and a solid, very solid role player, Nasir Little, who can slide in right alongside him. So, I know everybody wants to have their cake and eat it too, but I definitely do here.
0: <laughs> is there a reason you, you haven't mentioned Larry Nance? Just one more year left on the deal, or
1: yeah? To be honest, I haven't had a sense of Portland really wanting to deal him because there's a reason why Larry Nance Jr. is important. There's not a ton of you know six foot eight, six foot nine dudes who can play small ball center in closing lineups. Like he's got another year; he's on a really good contract would Portland move him in a deal that made a ton of like, if if it was CJ Nance and two first round picks, Joe Corden's going, yeah, go ahead and tell Ben to pack his bags. I mean, to be honest, like I just, I think they look at, at Larry Nance Jr. and go, he's got another year left. We know who he is. He's a good player. He can fit anywhere. He's a lot like, you know, kind of instead of the Cullington help defender, he's more of, not only really a rim protector, but a rover defensively, uh, who can cover a lot of ground.
0: Yeah, I think the and Kings would love a guy like that. Yeah, like exactly.
1: Who who in the NBA wouldn't love to have Larry Nance Jr.? Right. I, I think you can legitimately look at twenty nine other teams and go, they're not, they're not saying no to him. Like, would Phoenix love to have Larry Nance Jr. when DeAndre Ayton goes off the floor because they really don't have that guy behind him? Yeah, yeah, they would. Do you think the Bucs would like to have? Giannis alongside Larry Nance Jr. so that Giannis doesn't have to take the punishment the five for 25 minutes a night. Instead, can whittle it down to like 10 in the closing quarter. Yeah. And that's what I think the most the, the most important teams in the league right now that are really title hunting, those those are the teams that really covet Nance the most. And to be honest, they're probably the ones who are going to give up the least because they're title hunting teams that are just like, ah, what about some picks? So again, if it came down to it, and they needed to facilitate some picks. I think you could look at it in that, because remember, Portland did give up a first for them. It's a lottery-protected first that is owed to Chicago, which is why Portland is tanking, because they don't have their first-round pick this year. Oh, and by the way, they gave up two first-round picks two years ago for Robert Covington. So, yeah, they got to... So this is, this is the lesson for the Kings. If you're going to give up your picks, make sure you give them up for guys that are going to be really impactful.
0: All right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I would guess that that's what they're trying to do. Um, yes. We just need some proof of that, at the very least. <laughs> which
1: uh, I think I'm in the same boat as you, where it's like, uh, you know, tapping the wrist. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's speed this thing up. Um, I I, w- I like would imagine the the four to five days leading up to the trade deadline is going to be bonkers. And then the final two days is probably going to be pretty crazy, which I hope so. I, we haven't had a bonkers trade deadline in a while. I really want to go weird.
0: Yeah, and uh, the Kings definitely need to make some changes. It sounds like uh, Portland is a candidate to do the same, and there's a couple other teams. I mean, uh, Philly, Indiana, Minnesota is talked about a lot Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Yeah, I think that uh, there's seven
1: or eight teams that are going to be active, like in the sense of wholesale activities. I would imagine Portland, Indiana, Sacramento are probably the three and I feel like there's a dark horse in here in, in like a San Antonio who just has a bunch of dudes who are, they're good, but what are they? Like they, they clearly very much believe in like a Deontay Murray, but yeah. who else do they like really believe in on that team? And if you're a, a team like Sacramento, if you landed a Ben Simmons, a, would a Derek White makes sense. Would a Kilden Johnson makes like, Getting bigger, longer, stronger, more athletic. Like I I just, I feel like there's going to be some stuff, something that comes out of left field, and we're going to go, oh, of course, that makes sense, and it's going to be a team like that that makes a big splash. And again, I think one of the three teams that's going to be involved in that is going to be one of Portland, Sacramento, or Indiana, just because both those teams, or both all three of those teams, have so much on offer right now. I think there's only in, in that group there's maybe two players that are totally off limits. Maybe. Even yeah. then, you're kind of like, eh, it's probably just Dame. And that's a lot of moving pieces.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, that's all the time I have with you, Danny. It's Danny Meringue. Can't say thanks enough for coming on, man. Writer for Blager's Edge and does Jack Ramsey's for Blue Wire Pods. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else I'm missing there, Danny? No, man. I do pre- and post-game so- shows on YouTube.
1: If you want to find me, just go YouTube.com backslash Danny Meringue. Uh, if you really want to commiserate, like if you if you if you're a deep dark Kings fan and you want to take somebody else's suffering on, come watch a Blazers post game show. That'll that'll really bring you in and just kind of give you the full experience of what, uh, you know, I think top
0: level ineptitude is really like. There we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, there's at least a couple. So <laughs> there always is. Man, masochists are welcome. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think that this is probably their main staying ground. So. <laughs> any yeah masochist kings fans same thing synonyms here uh definitely check out all the work going on from danny um and all the work going up at the king's herald uh take a look at the patreon to support local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's post podcast please subscribe rate and review and you hear from us again in the next couple of days